I know I touched off a whole firestorm this week just talking about the Chiefs and their popularity in town and whether or not it's enough that we owed them more coverage because that was the call I got at Fox 2 that said, you need to do more with the Chiefs, more than you do with the Blues. I'm like, well, okay, we're probably not going to be doing that. And then online, man, people are going crazy. And once the Big Red left, I became loyal to this team. And once the Rams left, I'm mad at the Chiefs. And it just reminded me that all of this was avoidable. If the football Cardinals had stayed, then we wouldn't have messed with the Rams and we wouldn't be burned twice and we'd still be talking about the good old days of the Big Red because they'd still be playing games in town and you'd look up in the Dome and there's Dan Deardorff's retired number and all the great players. And Dan was a recent guest on KTRS along with Brendan Weesey, a special about the Big Red looking back. And if you say glory days in the Big Red, it sounds kind of silly because they had a lot of losing seasons. But there was a stretch when Don Coriel came in and was the coach, and they won their division back-to-back years, NFC East, right? Dallas, Philly, Washington, New York Giants, beating all the big teams and making it to the playoffs. And we had Dan on to talk about the Big Red, and he's great on the topic of Coriel coming in and how quickly it disintegrated because of silly stuff, just ownership, the Bidwell family, wouldn't get a deal done with Terry Metcalf, some of the draft snafus. You know, the 77 draft, that's coming off three straight years of winning football, two with the playoffs. I think in 76 they went 10-4 and four and didn't make it. But Coriel had some momentum in town. The Big Red, that was a big ticket then, going to Bush Stadium. And then the 77 draft, Don Coriel wants defense to build that side of the ball up. He already had all this talent on offense. And the draft pick was Steve Pasarkowitz, quarterback. And God bless Steve Pasarkowitz. It stinks for him because he's always mentioned in this way. But it was not the player they needed. Uh, And Dan sort of laments (laughs) how it all fell apart. But there were some good times with Don Coriel. When Dan was drafted, he said the Big Red didn't even have a coach. (laughs) That feels like the most Big Red thing ever. Hey, welcome to town. You'll be playing for our team. Great. Where's the coach? Yeah, we don't have one. Uh, whenever you tee up Dan, and Brendan and I have done this before, but he always gives you great stories, colorful stories. And to my original point, Dan says definitively, St. Louis blew it with the Big Red. Needed to get him a stadium, needed to make sure that Bidwell, who wasn't trying to leave, and this has been discussed quite a bit, but he says for sure the city blew it largely. And when I brought up the topic of, well, maybe if they'd done a little more with the Rams, maybe they could have, maybe. He says, no, zero responsibility for the city of St. Louis in terms of the Rams leaving. And Dan's very clear on that topic, but also fun stories from the glory days of the Big Red playing on that turf and how he's paying the price still with his joints all beat up. They're basically playing football on top of asphalt. So Dan Deardorff is the guest on the Killcoin Conversation, courtesy our Visit on KTRS, looking back at the Big Red Days. We're coming to you from the Pasta House Studios, 18 area locations. Kids eat free on Sundays. There's always a game on, whether it's hockey, basketball, baseball in the summer. Great family atmosphere. All the food made fresh daily. We encourage you to stop by, have lunch or dinner there, or if you're on the go, real easy. Order online. Great meals set up for a family of four. Comes with the salad, the bread, all the setup. It's all right there online. PastaHouse.com is the website. Also, B&G Tuck Pointing, the best in the bricks. BGTuckPointing.com or 363-0525, the number to call. 363-0525, Tuck Pointing, Foundation Repair, 
waterproofing. Find out what it's like to get those bricks looking new again with my friends at B&G Tuck Pointing. Marie de Villa Senior Living, corner of Clayton and Wideman Road. Take a virtual tour at mariedevilla.com. M-A-R-I-D-E-V-I-L-L-A, mariedevilla.com. They've been there since 1960. All levels of care for your retirement years, including those beautiful villa estates. Triad Bank, longtime sponsor of the Kilcoin Conversation. It's real simple. Stop by and see them on Clayton Road in Frontenac or on Olive just west of 270. Or on the web, triadbanking.com, the St. Louis-based bank since 2005. Neighborhood, friendly bank, it's that simple. If you're not happy with your bank, find out what it's like to get great personal service with the folks at Triad Bank. And appliance discounters around the St. Louis area or simply on the web, theappliancediscounters.com. I always mention the GE rebates. If you go into the search engine and type in General Electric, see what those rebates are that are available Everything is discounted at Appliance Discounters, hence the name. They'll go to the big box stores and see what that washer, dryer, stove, refrigerator, what they're charging for it, and then they will put the price right below theirs, and theirs is always lower. They do the price checking so you don't have to. Their savings are your savings at Appliance Discounters on the web, theappliancediscounters.com. And now the visit with the one and only, the Hall of Famer, Dan Deardorff. I'm curious, Dan. I always love to know, like, early impressions. You got drafted in the second round by the football Cardinals back in 1971. What did you know about the town? And at that point, what were your thoughts even on the franchise as you were coming here to start your pro career? Well, I grew up in Ohio, and I was a uh, Cleveland Browns fan. And uh, the Browns always had a uh, heated rivalry with the uh, Cardinals. And I, the only thing I knew about the Cardinals was, I would watch them play the Browns, and the the Cardinals always had this pesky little cornerback uh, that used to bother Gary Collins, a receiver I really liked for the Browns. And, of course, that was Pat Fisher. And uh, that was the extent of what I knew about the Cardinals. I'd never been to St. Louis. And, uh, you know, maybe it was kind of fitting what was in store. But when I got drafted by the Cardinals, uh, the Cardinals didn't even have a coach. They they had fired Charlie Winter, and they had not hired Bob Hallway yet. Well, that's not a good sign. You got a team no, without a was, uh, team without a coach. No, the uh, the only person I heard from was George Boone. Was he running the draft then? Yes. Oh wow! Yes, he was. That's a whole nother two-hour show we got to do on George Boone and some of those, uh, we'll just say infamous. Dra- hey, how about, I'm going to give George Boone credit for drafting Dan Deardorff in the second round, ends up in the Hall of Fame. There's a feather There's a feather in his cap. Uh, no, uh, you know, no argument about that, but, <laughs> you know, uh, George, I liked George. George was a, uh, George, George was a nice guy. I mean, he really was. He, he, uh, he, but he had some Curious ideas about uh, personnel. Uh, now, now, just imagine that if you worked at IBM or a law firm or General Motors, and and you know you're head of HR and your responsibility is to hire good people. And George Boone told me one time that he never wanted to actually meet any of us before he drafted them because he didn't want to be swayed by whether he liked them or not. 
Now that so, fast forward to today, imagine, they, they interview him five thousand times now. Well, really, I mean, just stop and think about that. You, 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 you're going to invest all this money, the direction of your franchise, and actually whether you get to keep your job or not, uh, based on your ability to identify talent and draft it, and you don't even meet them ahead of time. Well, that 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 would never be a bestseller sales book. <laughs> I'm really going to digress here, but I went to grade school with his daughters, and they had they always had a big Kentucky Derby party because they're from Kentucky. Yeah. And and yeah. I this is going to surprise no one, but I was a smart aleck kid, <laughs> and we're over at their house, and I just said, you know, oh so and so, and this would have been after the draft, but I said, you know, what about this guy? I started asking him questions and poking a little bit, and the guy the year before didn't work out, blah blah blah. And he said, now let me tell you something. If I tell you what I know, then you know more than me, so I can't tell you anything. And I was like, but I'm 12. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm fair game. Oh. At least he met you. Yeah, At least he- <laughs> yeah. yeah he, maybe that's why he never wanted to meet anybody after being tortured by me. How about, how about the first time you walked into Bush Stadium? Would that have been the turf days back then, the old concrete jungle? Oh, yeah. yeah no, yes, it was. Uh uh, we they, we came in, uh, I, I think in April. The draft back then was at the end of January, so they had uh, they got all the draft picks that, that came in and some free agents at uh, uh, like for a long weekend in uh, in uh, in April, I believe, and that and that was the first time that I ever I ever came to St. Louis. First time I ever saw Bush Stadium and. Uh, and uh, away we went. Dan, how would you best describe the the fans of the football Cardinals when you got to town? What was what was the fan base like? Did you do you do you recall meeting people on the street? And how did those interactions go? Well, I always thought uh, I always thought St. Louis was a, a a really nice football town with with great fans. I mean, uh, we had a very active and engaged. Uh, uh, quarterback club and and uh, you know we we used to go to Alton every year the, to to a, a dinner up there with their quarterback club. I you know now granted it was the only fan base that I knew other than my fan base at the University of Michigan. But I always uh, I always thought everybody here in St. Louis was was engaged. I thought they were great fans. And so by year four, so you have a couple of Bob Holloway years. Coriel comes in, doesn't win his first year, but then they go on that run, 10-4, and 11-3, 10-4. And I think a lot of people think of the Big Red and say, boy, losing, losing, losing. And there was plenty of losing that took place, but that three-year run, a couple of division titles, did, did you think once Coriel arrived, like, hey, this guy, this guy gets it? Well, yeah, I mean, get, get it, he did. I mean, Don Coriel was—he uh, turned the—he uh, turned the NFL upside down uh, when he came in with his imagination uh, uh, with the passing game, and of course he had the talent uh, here to make it work with uh, Jim Hart and you know Terry Metcalf and Mel Gray and Ike Harris and Jackie Smith and you know we uh, and a, and a great offensive line we. We were some offensive football team. So, you know, the shame of it all is that uh, the organization uh, could, 
couldn't sustain it. And uh, it's one thing to uh, become successful, but then it's really hard to to maintain it. And uh, we failed miserably at, at that. That's it's it'll always be a huge regret that we let that uh, we let that get away. And you mentioned the talent there. Those teams should have been pretty good, right? I mean, you guys, you probably looked around the locker room and you talk about your famous O-line you guys had, but you mentioned Jim Hart and Mel Gray and Metcalf. That That's a group, that's a pretty legit group of talent. Well, it all started in 1977 with the, uh, with the draft. Don Coriel, as uh, offensive-minded as he was, wanted to draft Robin Cole. Uh, a linebacker that ultimately got drafted by the Steelers. But he wanted to invest his number one draft choice in a linebacker because he wanted he, – he knew that defensively we were, you know, not on the same level as our offense. And, and, and he knew that's where we had to get better. And uh, uh, back then, as crazy as this sounds, they wouldn't even let Coriel in the room while the draft was going on. I mean, he had no input, no say-so whatsoever. And, I mean, that was just backwards, that the coach wasn't even, wasn't even allowed to be there. And, uh, and then, so George Boone, in his infinite wisdom, drafted uh, Steve Pizarkowitz, uh, the quarterback from Missouri. Uh, and uh, a quarterback is not what we needed. And that started... The whole deal in motion. Coriel was unhappy. They wouldn't give Terry Metcalf a contract, and we imploded. Well, such a shame, too, because like I said, that that three-year run when he got it up and running, I guess, and the only disappointment there, you guys get into the playoffs twice, you lose to the Vikings and lose to the Rams. What do you remember about those games? Well, you know, we had to go to the Coliseum and, and, and I, I know that first playoff game against the Rams, uh, I think Lawrence McCutcheon ran, I think he ran for over 200 yards. Uh, not as a team, he had over 200 yards. Uh, so, you know, th- that was an uphill battle. And, uh, you know, the game in Minnesota, um, you know, we lost to, uh, we lost to a couple really great football teams on the road in a, in the playoffs, uh, the Vikings were quarterbacked by Fran Tarkenton, and you know they were littered with Hall of Famers like Alan Page and Carl Eller, and on and on and on. So, uh, you know, the, the playoffs weren't quite as diluted as they are now. You know, and in seventy in seventy six, we were ten and four and didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah, and Brandon mentioned this earlier about the fan base. Even though that's, I know it was cookie-cutter and was meant to be multi-purpose, it still always felt like a baseball stadium that allowed for football. But when you guys were winning, what were game days like at Bush for you? Well, uh, winning is winning. I wouldn't have cared if it was happening at a uh, at a high school stadium. But, you know, I, you know, when Dallas would come to town and the Redskins uh, – you know the place was, the place was packed, and we. Uh, I thought the crowd was raucous, and the band from Southern Illinois would be there, and and uh, it, it was always. Uh, you know, I was young, and I didn't know any better. I didn't, 
I didn't play for the Steelers or I didn't play for the Raiders and and so I didn't know what it was like other places but I you know I always appreciated the uh, uh, the fan base in St. Louis was the Bob Cuban band was that later they used to always be on the sidelines no no they were always on the sidelines yeah and no they, that that was there that Bob Cuban and his group yep you're right they were. I had forgotten that. Good memory. Well, I, and they had some kind of like, like some kind of thing. Maybe it was every kickoff, and I could just hear it in my brain over and over again. Uh, e- even as your point, did you hate the turf? I mean, did you know then, man, this is a brutal thing? I'm assuming Michigan would have been grass for your college career. Well, actually, they put in turf at Michigan, too. Oh, and uh, Yeah. Now, they put in this, uh, in Michigan, they put in this thing called tartan turf. And it was like a Brillo pad. And, yeah, it's none of us had any skin on our elbows or knees or anything like that. And, yes, the, the turf at Bush Stadium was uh, was dreadful. And, you know, the, all of us are pretty much uh, uh, handicapped today. Our joints got ground to dust by that. We might as well have been uh, practicing on the uh, – parking lot of West County Shopping Center because, you know, the old AstroTurf was nothing but asphalt with a piece of indoor-outdoor carpeting rolled over the top of it. It didn't even have a pad uh, because they played baseball there. So it was uh, really just hard as a rock. We're visiting with Dan Deerdorf. It's our Big Red retrospective here on the Big 550 KTRS. And, Dan, you mentioned... Uh, the uh, selection of uh, of Steve Bazarkowitz. Do, do you recall uh, around those times, you know, mid to late seventies? Did did you get a sense that, that that you guys were were so so close? Obviously, two trips to the playoffs. You're right on the verge. Were there conversations going on? Do you recall at the time talking to your teammates or 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 other folks inside the organization that maybe just one more piece and we're there? Well, we knew we were close. We we thought we were the best offensive team in the NFL, and uh, and and we we were, uh, or we were darn close to it, and uh, we just, but we had to win a lot of football games, thirty five, thirty one, and you know that was, uh, you know that made it hard. That put a lot of pressure on the offense to, uh, we we had to score point a lot of points uh, if we were to win. And so, yeah, we we were hoping that uh, the defense would get shored up, and uh, you know, it uh, it that it, it just, when it all went to pieces in '77, that was really uh, that was discouraging for all of us. It it, uh, it it really was because it you know we knew Coriel was unhappy, and and we were mad that they wouldn't take care of Terry Metcalf for everything that he was doing for us. And, you know, it, it just, you know, it all went to pieces. Metcalf left, uh, Conrad Dobler got, I mean, it just, it, it, on and on and on. It just, it, it fell apart so fast that it, it, it took all of us by surprise. How much of Conrad Dobler was shtick? How much was real? Like, was he really crazy? I mean, he, we hear the stories, the big pileups, he's biting hands at the bottom of the pile. and like, How much uh, of that was persona, you know, and how much was that real? Well, now, you know, Conrad wasn't crazy. Conrad was ultra-competitive, 
and Conrad was a, uh, uh, you know, he was a bit of a loose cannon. But Conrad Dobler is smart as a, smart as a whip, and uh, but he he once that persona of his uh, was unleashed on the NFL. I mean, he really played to it. Now, you know that that whole thing about the meanest man in football and and whatnot. I mean, he 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 loved it. I mean, he he just <laughs> he he couldn't have been happier with all that. We you stick a microphone under his nose and away he goes and dan you played for jim hannafin i know those teams weren't winning games but although that strike year i guess you were in you got into the little mini tournament to green bay but uh was it the most fun you had with a head coach with what did you have i know we love him post football and all the roasts and ceremonies and get-togethers as he would say and so on and so forth but what about playing for him did you enjoy him at that time well yeah i thought jim was a uh I thought Jim was a good head coach. Uh, he didn't have uh, the talent that uh, uh, Coriel had, in, you know, just in in the pr- personnel. Uh, I thought Jim made the most of what he had. Uh, I know that his, uh, you know, Jim had a larger-than-life personality. He was uh, everybody's friend, uh, but he was a fierce competitor. Uh, Jim could be downright mean uh, when it came to competition and 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 his effort to win. He 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 he. Don't be confused by the pale fellow, well met uh, Jim Hannafin that could uh, entertain people at dinners and at uh, various taverns around St. Louis. As a football coach, he was uh, he was dead serious and he worked his hard. And, Dan, we talked about, you know, those years with Coriel were knocking on the door, ideally win a playoff game or two, and then Coriel leaves for San Diego. Do you think if the Big Red won more in the 70s, that that would have led to the city kind of bending over backwards? We've kind of had this Rams discussion. If they maintain a high level and the city's just got football fever, then they figure out a way to get something done. I know they're separate, but do you think the Big Red stay in town and maybe the civic leaders do more for them if they had won more. Well, certainly it's always easier to fall behind and everybody pull the same direction when a franchise is is uh, is, is winning. But the reality is, uh, uh, St. Louis uh, completely bungled and mismanaged uh, the football Cardinals. Um, you know, part of it was uh, Bill Bidwell not being a popular figure, but that, we were foolish. As a city, as a community, we were foolish and naive in thinking that if the Cardinals left, oh, Anheuser-Busch will get us another team. Uh, it, it was really incredibly naive on our part. The guy who had the right idea was Gene McNary, who was the um, county executive at the t- and and he wanted to build the Cardinals an open-air stadium out in Earth City. And everybody laughed at him and uh, got no cooperation from the city government whatsoever. And uh, they all but showed Bill Bidwell, the door 
and it's the reason we don't have a franchise today. It was incredibly short-sighted by the political powers that be in St. Louis at the time. And you're in the ring of honor. For not the- that I feel not that I feel strongly about it. <laughs> right. uh, no, I, it's a hundred percent true. And you know the Rams thing a little different, maybe with what Cronkies all you know motives were all the time, and maybe they couldn't have stopped it no matter what. But kind of a similar idea is that you got to have some vision or foresight as to what that franchise. You know, I, I think uh, Martin. Let me just tell you that St. Louis gets. Ninety-five percent of the blame in the football Cardinals leaving town. St. Louis gets none of the blame for the Rams leaving town. There is absolutely nothing anyone here could have done to keep the Rams in St. Louis. That that couldn't have been done. Stan Kroenke wanted to leave, and there was no stopping that. All right, good. I feel better about that, and I still feel terrible about the big red one. But you're in the Arizona. Yeah, yeah really. Is your name still in the dome? Remember, you're on the wall. You were in the ring. Is that still well, up there? Uh, well, in the dome. Which dome? Well, the, the the one here. The dome here. I have not been to the recent uh, tractor. No, polls, no, they but... took uh, they took all those uh, they took all those down. I've I've I'm told that uh, my name, along with uh, uh, Jackie Smith and Larry, what were. We're in some storeroom, uh, <laughs> deep in the bowels of the uh, of the dome. But I am I am on the Ring of Honor in uh, Glendale, Arizona, where I had a long career. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dan, you are the best. Thanks for sharing some stories with us, fun memories. And now I've got Bob Cuban in my brain. I won't be able to shake that for a while. Uh, great to have uh, you on the show. Thank you very much, and. Uh, uh, it's always good to talk about the old days. We we had fun and and you know we're getting old. The guys who uh, who played for the Cardinals were getting a little a little gray, a little bald, a little long in the tooth. But uh, there's still a lot of people that appreciated what we did, and we're really thankful for that. Always great to talk to Dan. It's unbelievable. You hand a phone, a microphone, just put them at the podium. And it doesn't matter what the topic is, Dan Deardorff will want you have you wanting more because everything he says is so darn interesting. And looking back on that time, it was a while ago, getting close to be, you know, fifty years ago when they were winning those division titles in the early days of Don Coriel. And the shame of it is, in the big picture, and we spend so much time talking about the NFL in this town and how they burned the city, and it's a four-letter word, the NFL, and all this stuff. If you just figured it out. And Gene McNary had that idea. I remember as a kid, they'd say, oh, they're going to build something in Earth City. They're going to build a football stadium. And too many people said, oh, why would you put a stadium out there? What are we doing? And then they got nothing done. So St. Louis. Had that happened, Dan is convinced, we would have kept the Big Red. We'd have the football Cardinals. It would have been nice, right? Football Cardinals, baseball Cardinals. But it didn't happen. I guess you know that by now. Appreciate Dan being on the show. The Kilcoin Conversation coming to you from the Pasta House Studios. PastaHouse.com, the website if you want to do an online order. Or stop by any of those 18 area locations. It's really cool. Each one is unique. Usually a beautiful bar, nice layout, TVs going with all the games on. So it's laid back. Family atmosphere, great food at the Pasta House. B&G Tuck Pointing, the best in the bricks. But they also do waterproofing, foundation repair. If you'd like to get an estimate, 363-0525, 314-363-0525. If you have a brick home, 
chimney, garage, place of business. Make it look new again with B&G Tuck Pointing. Marie de Villa Senior Living, beautiful campus in West County. Uh, we were talking about Red Shandy's this week. He would have turned 100. Red lived at Marie de Villa for many years. He was on the board, good friends with Fred and Mary Kay, the longtime owners there. And Red was perfectly happy in his villa estate there. He had a great setup. You can check out all of it online at mariedevilla.com. Appliance Discounters, where I've mentioned their service repair team a time or two. If you need an appliance repaired, you call one of those 1-800 numbers. They might book you two weeks, three weeks out. Get that service sooner with Appliance Discounters. So in addition to the great deals on washers, dryers, stoves, refrigerators, you name it, they also have a wonderful service team. It's my guy, Sean. Sean's usually the guy coming out to the house to do the repairs. We're a little rough on the appliances. Find out more about them at theappliancediscounters.com. And Triad Bank, St. Louis-based bank since 2005. Jim Regna, the CEO, he's as St. Louis as it gets. He went to Rosary, went to Umsel. He'll help you out. Anybody on his team, if you're a business owner looking for a new bank, check out my friends at Triad Bank. That's it for the Kilcoin Conversation. I'm Martin Kilcoin. Thanks for tuning in.